How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Janice Dean Podcast. Happy New Year. It's hard to believe that three years ago, we were just about to enter the COVID-19 pandemic and our lives changed forever. At the time, there were so many unknowns about the illness, the impacts, the treatments, and how long it would stay with us. Well, three years later, we're still getting sick from it, despite the shots, the boosters, and all the precautions we took. The loss of life was tragic. One thing we knew at the very beginning was how COVID was particularly dangerous to the elderly. As many of you know, both my husband's parents died in their separate elder care facilities during the spring of 2020, and we later found out that our governor at the time had a mandate to put over 9,000 COVID-positive patients into nursing homes here in New York. I decided to speak out about it in May of 2020 and have been an advocate of finding out why it happened and what we can do to make sure it never happens again. My guest today is also someone that wants to make justice happen for families, and he's been trying to uncover and prosecute those who put seniors in harm's way. John Daly is a lawyer here in New York and since 2007 has focused on the prosecution and trials of matters concerning abuse and neglect in nursing homes and other medical facilities. Specifically, he has tried cases concerning the failure of nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and hospitals to provide resident care consistent with state and federal regulations. He also prosecutes cases under health care facilities for violating the rights of patients under the New York State Public Health Law. Mr. Daly is an active member of the New York State Bar Association and was appointed to the New York State Bar Association COVID-19 Task Force in 2020. He's also the chair of the Nursing Home Litigation Committee of the New York State Trial Lawyers Association. To put it simply, he's someone that's on our side and wants to help. So please welcome John Daly to the Janice Dean Podcast. John Daly, thank you for being here. Great to be here, Janice. Thanks for having me. You know, this podcast is usually about sunny topics, uh, but this is something that's near and dear to my heart. It's something that I have wanted accountability for for almost three years now. And you are a lawyer that are helping families uh, seek justice for those that died in nursing homes during the pandemic. And now, too, it's still happening, right? Yes, it's still happening. And unfortunately, uh, for a lot of those families who lost loved ones due to COVID in nursing homes and other adult health care facilities, there's very limited uh, actions that they can bring. And the, the, the lawsuits that we'd like to bring mm-hmm. on behalf of those families are really an uphill battle. Yes. And that's for a couple of reasons. One major reason is the immunity law. Right. That was put into place by the Cuomo So let's talk about yeah. that. Okay, so March 25th, mm-hmm. Andrew Cuomo puts out a mandate that 
basically says nursing homes have to accept patients, incoming patients, COVID positive patients without testing them. That mandate went out March 25th without informing the families who had loved ones in nursing homes. And that was in effect for 46 days. And we know now that there were over 9,000 infected patients put into New York nursing homes. And the governor and his administration and the New York City Health Department lied about how many died. That, that's correct. And we had almost uh, close to 16,000 deaths ultimately uh, by the count. But let's just go back real quick okay. and talk about why that mandate uh, came into place and really who was behind it all. And Please cer- do. And certainly uh, Cuomo was behind it. Uh, he put it in place. But before he did so, there was a strong push by the owners of the nursing homes in New York State to – make sure that the beds that they had that were filled with residents weren't emptied due to COVID and Mm. had have their residents transported someplace else because if they lose residents, they lose revenue. Mm. So there was a big push by all of these nursing home owners and by lobbyists like Leading Age and the New York Healthcare Association to make the nursing home residents stay there. Uh, And Cuomo, uh, if you remember at the beginning said, you know, we don't want to discriminate. That's the reason why yes. we're not testing uh, exactly. like they were AIDS patients. Correct. And if you remember, they did bring in the USS Comfort. They yes. did have Javits, Javits Center, which should have been used to cohort nursing home. Residents. Correct. But there was such a strong push from the ownership end that Cuomo had to acquiesce and say, OK, well, make sure you cohort, make sure you do the right thing. But he did nothing. Cuomo to ensure that the nursing home and the owners and the staff were ensuring the safety of the residents. Right. So that was a big reason why that uh, directive occurred. Hmm. Now, who was it written by in your mind? So the the directive itself was written by, uh, to my understanding, you know, Cuomo's staff, and it was basically a non-discrimination type of. Directive. That but who was the, pushed him to do that? Was that hospital lobbyists? I believe it was both both hospital lobbyists as well as ner- the lobbyists that represent owners of skilled nursing facilities, leading age being the main one. In New did York they State. care about the people or did they care about the dollar they bill? They care about the money, Janice, and that's what's been going. I've been screaming about this for 15 years, Ugh. looking for and trying to push for more transparency yeah. with respect to the dollars, the Medicare and the Medicaid dollars that these owners get and whether they couch themselves as profit or nonprofit, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It's really a corporate Mm-hmm. Shell game. And they were getting more money for COVID patients, correct? Absolutely. They were getting more money. And for the rehab patients that they were getting back in, they were charging higher Medicare reimbursement rates. Oh, my gosh. So it's really a big money grab. And at the end of the day, those families paid the price. Yeah, we did. We did. And I know, you know, Mickey and Dee, I don't know uh, your in-laws, but uh, I've, I followed you. I know I know the story. And unfortunately, they are just two of thousands of people who suffered as a result of horrible decisions by the Cuomo administration and and really uh, the Cuomo administration laying down to these nursing home owners for what I believe are political reasons. Right. So what do we do? Listen, I have I have been uh, behind the scenes 
talking to lawyers, talking to other family members. You know, what recourse do we have? They they put our right to life, our in-laws' right to life on the line. Like my father-in-law served in the U.S. Air Force. He should have been entitled to the best health care. Absolutely. He should have been entitled to the best nursing home care. And when the lockdown happened, we got zero information about him. We got a call on a Saturday morning saying he wasn't feeling well and he was dead three hours later. And we didn't know he had died of COVID until we saw the death certificate. Yeah, it, it's, it's horrible. And, you know, it's really a larger issue. It's how do we... Uh, care for and what do we think about when we think when we talk what do we think about when we're dealing with caring for our elderly in this country yes so it's a bigger question yes it is and it's not just well what can we do today i think many steps have to be taken one of the steps that needs to happen immediately is the enforcement mechanisms uh in the state of new york the department of health for example were responsible to administer the laws and to enforce the laws and we have some good laws in new york state they're just not enforced mm-hmm. and there's no penalty for the real people behind the curtain that's the owners right who get the money who in this latest lawsuit by uh ag james okay now for the first time and this is something i've known for years from litigating against these mm-hmm. companies uh, the money that's getting uh, taken out of the facility and paid through uh, administrative uh, entities, uh, really, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a scheme to take money out of the nursing home that should be going to patient care and line the pockets of the owners. And we have laws to enforce, and we and prosecutors should be coming in, county prosecutors should be coming in and arresting these owners yeah. because they're committing fraud, and that fraud is leading to deaths. How can How can we allow that to happen? So how many, I mean, is it just a few bad apples or is it all over the state? There are some good facilities out there, but for the most part, there is a lot of mismanagement when it comes to the monies coming in from Medicare and Medicaid. And I think the only way to unearth just how many bad apples there are, Mm -hmm. and there are many, is we need transparency. We need to be able to see where this money is going. And we need to be, be able to see why it's going there. For, I'll give you a perfect example. Nursing homes in New York State, most of them have consulting entities or administrative entities, separate corporations that money is going to on a monthly basis that are allegedly pr- providing uh, resources, providing uh, help for these nursing homes. But we don't really know what they're doing. And we don't really know if this is just a way to shift money from one pocket to another pocket to enrich the owners and their families. That's what the attorney general is alleging in this lawsuit. And I know from litigating these cases that it happens quite often. So we need to dig into that and find out why that money is being taken really out of the uh, the care budgets that are supposed to go to care for the elderly in, in the homes. What do you say to people uh, who ha- lost loved ones in nursing facilities during the pandemic um, who, who want to litigate who want to get to the bottom of something like this yeah it's again it's a difficult situation because one thing we don't want to do as lawyers representing families is we don't want to uh, take them through a judicial process a court process where at the end there's going to be very little for them you know there are some lawyers out there who are thinking about bringing class action lawsuits against these nursing homes you know that's fine i'm not a big proponent of that because at the end of that the, the only result that you're going to find or they're going to uh, get is maybe some money. Okay. And it's not really what we need to be doing. Yeah. What, what we need to be doing 
uh, is we need to be organizing in a grassroots fashion. I mean, there are some Facebook groups out there. There's a big Facebook group connected to the Fulton Common situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in contact with a bunch of those people now. Now, it's going to be difficult to bring a lawsuit for the reasons I've mentioned. You know, the immunity, yeah. statute of limitations yes. is expired in a lot of these cases. Yep. And, you know, the laws have not, um, even when immunity was was repealed, uh, we can't go back in time. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be difficult to bring what we'd call common law lawsuits to recover money for the, for the debts of those loved ones. Okay. But there are other things we can do. And one of the things I'd like to do is on our next lobby day up in Albany, which I participate in uh, every year, is bring some of those victims uh, and their family members up to those legislators and say, hey, these are the real people. These are the victims. These are the real stories. Listen to them. Let's pass some laws that, that give us more transparency on the money side. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. So that we can, and let's get more enforcement so that these bad apples can be weeded out and the care in our facilities in the state can be improved. I wish I had more faith in our current leaders here in New York. I feel like this has to happen in Congress, in Washington. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I'm in touch with lawmakers who promise me that in January, when they go back and they look into all of the mistakes that were made during the pandemic, that one of the big ones is the nursing homes, because it wasn't just New York State. It was Michigan. It was Pennsylvania. There were governors that had the exact same phrasing in their orders to bring COVID positive patients into where our most vulnerable resided. And if we don't have an after action review, this is going to continue to keep happening. There's there's no doubt about it. And I agree with you. I think we, we need to have a national policy. We need to have a national policy on how to care for the elderly in this country. Yes. Particularly those who are vulnerable, like those in nursing homes, who can't advocate for themselves. And that's the real issue here. When you're a resident of a nursing home or an adult home or a group home, most people don't have an advocate. And if you don't have a family member or somebody looking out for you, visiting you every day and being the squeaky wheel um, who's going to get attention, you know, the likelihood of a bad outcome is really high. Mm-hmm. So we do need a national policy. I hope when the new Congress comes in, they start to address that. And hopefully we can get some laws passed, some laws on the books. But we need someone to champion, you know, this effort. We need we need people in Congress, somebody in Congress to take the lead. Yeah. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. I'm, I'm hopeful of that because I'm going to be the squeaky wheel. If they don't. Well, I'll squeak right along with you, Janice. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about, I mean, this is, we have to tell people how awful people were treated in these nursing homes like Fulton Commons. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Fulton Commons is a nursing home. As you know, it's in Nassau County in Long, uh, Long Island. And I've litigated them against them in the past. And I've actually deposed uh, people, uh, the, two of the people who have been, the two people who have been indicted um, in the Fulton Commons case, Carol Frawley, who was a former director of nursing, I've deposed in cases and have gotten testimony from her. And again, 
uh, a lot of these directors of nursing move from one facility to another, and there's unity of ownership groups in a lot of them, uh, or loose affiliations among these owners. And you have these people who move from place to place, and their concern is protecting these owners, being mm. the company people. They're not there advocating for the families, which they should be doing as registered nurses, right? Uh, just like doctors, there has to be some oath they take when they become a registered nurse yeah. that their patient is more important than anything else. But you just don't find that. And Fulton Commons is really an egregious example of siphoning funds out of the nursing home, which the public health law requires be used for resident care, not to line your pockets with profits. Yeah. Okay. So, again, the AG made a lot of allegations in the lawsuit We'll see what how this lawsuit unfolds, but they are really one of the one of the bad apples out there. And again, it, it goes back to the same old story: people uh, less important than profits, and we somehow have to stop that. Yeah, it drives me crazy because um, you know politicians are trying to get money for their campaigns, and the biggest donors are the nursing homes, the hospitals. It's Listen, like a vicious I, circle. I don't think it's I don't think it's a surprise and I don't think I, I think many people know. Let, let's go back to 2018 when when Cuomo thought he had a primary. Uh, he had a run. You know, if you look back then, you know, the, the money coming into the Democratic coffers from leading age from the New York Healthcare Association, millions of dollars. And that continues today. Mm. Uh we recently had a couple of other laws passed, right? Let me just, if we have some time, yes, we'll absolutely. just cover them real quick. So uh, we had a law that was uh, passed. And again, this was in response to COVID. And it was the attempt to try to, I, I think, mollify, you know, the public uh, to, to say, hey, we're doing something. They passed a law that caps profits at nursing homes uh, at 5% mm -hmm. of operating. And that uh, was to take into effect uh, in January uh, Governor Hochul did not sign it. She delayed the implementation of the law. The problem with the law is from that 5%, administrative costs are excluded. And that's the fine print that nobody talks about. Because if you exclude administrative costs from the calculation, mm -hmm. now the ability of the nursing home to set up other companies like a management company or a consulting company and shift money out is still there. So really, are you, have, you, have you done anything with this 5% law? I don't believe so. Mm -hmm. The other law that, uh, that was passed was a staffing law, okay? Uh, minimum staffing requirements, which is a decent law, but again, it doesn't go far enough because the public health law requires that each resident who's accepted has to have a care plan uniquely designed for her or him, him or her. And staffing needs to be, uh, a, staffing needs to match the types of residents you're taking in. So this one size fits all kind of thing isn't going to work. Both of those laws were opposed vehemently by the healthcare lobby. That 5% law was a, a brutal battle. And the way they got it done was by pulling out the administrative cost piece of it which allows them, I think, essentially to operate just like they've always been operating. Mm. So this is the fight we're in, Janice, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. Explain how Medicare and Medicaid get involved, because I find all of this very complicated and hard to understand. Yeah, it is. So in New York State, most 
nursing homes, which are also known as skilled nursing facilities. Those two terms are um, the same. Yep. Uh, except Medicare and Medicaid. Medicare doesn't pay for long-term care. Okay. Okay. So if you need to live in a nursing home, Medicare is not paying for that. Right. Uh, that either is paid by Medicaid or if you have long-term insurance, most people in nursing homes long-term are on Medicaid in New York State. Medicare, which reimburses the nursing home at a different rate, generally a higher rate, pays for rehabilitative care. Okay. So, for example, if you suffer an injury, you fracture your hip at home, you go to a hospital, you have surgery, you go to the nursing home, Medicare will pay for up to 100 days of rehabilitation. Those rates are much, much higher. Nursing homes love rehab patients. They're making more money on rehab patients yes. than they are on long-term patients So, because Medicaid reimburses at a lower rate. If you accept Medicaid in New York State and Medicare, you have to file certain documents called cost reports with the government on a quarterly basis, on an annual basis. And if you do some forensic accounting like I've done in some of my cases and look at where some of this money is going, you can start to see – uh, some of these abnormalities, some of these uh, monies going to people that don't appear to even have jobs at the facility. I've deposed oh. owners and I've deposed administrators using a cost report and asking why certain people are listed as having salaries of $100,000 and the administrator doesn't even know who they are. Oh, my gosh. So when you really start to drill down on some of this stuff, you can find – uh, you can find the, the abnormalities, you can find the sort of untoward behavior of these nursing homes, but you got to do the work, and we're really going to need either new laws passed yep. that require these nursing homes to explain in these reports why they're siphoning this money, why is this money going here, yep. and, and what are the reasons. Until we address that, the other piece of this, which is really just improving care, is not going to happen because it takes money to, to provide the care. So we have to make sure the money is going to where the public health law, as it was written in 1975, uh, to go to, to, to the resident care happens, and it's not happened. If people are listening and they have, I mean, listen, this is an elderly population we're getting into, right? This is just, it's not like our uh, population is getting any younger here. It's not. You and I are going to be facing that very soon. We sure are. Right? So what do we do? In the meantime, to ensure that, you know, our families don't have to go through this. Well, I, I think one thing that's really important is to have a conversation with your family. Yeah. Um, you know, for those who are lucky enough to have children or to have relatives who will be involved in your care if you need it down the road, have those conversations now. See an elder law attorney, a person who does wills, trusts estates, Medicaid, Medicare planning, Take those steps now to, to make sure that if the time comes when you need care and it's outside of your control, that you're financially prepared for that. What, what happens with so many families is they wait until something bad happens. They wait until mom has a stroke yeah. and now she needs long-term care. But wait, we didn't do any Medicare planning. We didn't do any Medicaid planning. We haven't done any we – haven't, we don't even have a will or a power of attorney. What do we do? That's the first step your listeners should take. Okay. Take care of your business at home. Make sure you see someone who can put things in order for you. And then make sure that your wishes are expressed to your family members. You know, the best thing, and I went, and one of the reasons I got into this business, Janice, is 
uh, for personal reasons, just like yours. My dad got sick, and I took care of him for many, many years. Oh, and I know what it's like to have to deal with nursing homes and hospitals and insurance and Medicare and Medicaid and how do I get my bill paid and why won't you accept him here? Yeah. And he needs a trach, but he does can't go into that type of facility. And I'm a lawyer doing this, uh -huh. and I was able to navigate it. Imagine those families who have no specialized knowledge, who don't have anyone to stand up and fight for them, they're gonna have a really difficult time. So they need to get their affairs in order, make sure the people who are gonna care for you know what your wishes are. I think the, as we go forward in the future, as you say, we're all getting older, we're all getting there. Yeah. Um, I think there's a push and there will be a continued push to have more home care. Yes. And what we call community Medicaid where a person can live at home, have an aide come to the house, and be cared for that way. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Now, there are issues with that, you know, as well. <laughs> yes. Okay. And, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. conversation. However, I think going forward in the future, I think that's what most people will opt for. And I think the government, I think, uh, you know, CMS, which is the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which runs Medicare and Medicaid, I think that's what they'd rather, where they'd rather see the money go. Oh. So I, we're in this transition period. But as a caveat, Knowing this, several years ago, a bunch of, you know, private equity and hedge funds started buying up home health care agencies. So what does that tell you? Yeah. Okay. And when I find out who, in, in cases that I have, uh, who the true owners are of some of these facilities, of some of these private, you know, care organizations, and they're part of a hedge fund, you know, of course, my antenna goes up and, you know, here we go again. So, but... Those are the two most important things um, people can do. Mm -hmm. Plant. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Are you optimistic? I feel like it. it is really a David and Goliath battle, it, you know, going up against these huge entities that have been doing this for a very long time that are very corrupt. And, and entrenched, you know, with, with lobbyists and, and, and politicians who, who, you know, are beholden to them uh, in many ways. Uh, am I optimistic? I'm always optimistic. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine not being optimistic. Uh, you know, there, there has been some, you know, if we take a look at what happened with COVID and all of the horrors that so many of the families went through, some, there are some silver linings, okay? There are some things that are now happening. For example, people like you have gotten involved and, uh, you know, are talking about an issue that nobody was talking about. I mean, until you came along, okay, uh, there weren't many people who were championing, championing this, this effort, right, to, to advocate for, for people in nursing homes. So I, I think that will continue. I hope it continues. Uh, we try at, at, at our law firm to uh, make sure we talk to everybody we can, and I work with all types of different you know, partners trying to get the word out about how we can improve nursing home care. I talk to legislators. I talk to everybody. 
Uh, and we'll keep doing it, and we'll keep fighting for these people, uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get some laws passed, and hopefully we'll do better. You know, I think it really is a grassroots effort. You know, it's these people finding each other through tragedy. I've met so many families, you know, they're like part of my family now because sure. we're fighting for the same thing. Um, and, you know, that gives you strength. Because we're not going to stop that, you know, just because I'm not on Fox News every hour saying, you know, Governor Cuomo needs to be held accountable doesn't mean I'm not doing things behind the scenes. Right. And that's something people have to understand is not just like a, a few weeks or a few months. It's it's a lifetime, you know, and if you need my help, I I'm I'm there, you know. Well, it's it's much appreciated. And again, we're going to make uh a strong effort again to get back up to, to Albany and, and to talk to these legislators. But again, you know, uh, 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 is what we're saying falling on deaf ears up there? Yes. Is it, you know, and, yes, and, it is. You know, and that that's the unfortunate part. So, you know, if they're not going to help us, then, you know, we need to do something else. Bigger. And I, I think uh, like this group that that came out of the, the Fulton Commons tragedy, uh, this group of people, and I'm, I'm speaking to them. I have a meeting set up next week with uh, – Two of the families that were actually quoted in, in the Newsday uh, article yep. uh, to talk about their mom. And, and they unfortunately experienced something very similar to what you experienced in your family. No information, uh, basically radio silence, and then the phone call that they passed away. You know, it's, it's horrific. It's horrible. Nobody should have to go through that. Uh, so we need the people to come together. We need the grassroots effort to, to be loud yeah. and, and to get out there and, and talk about this. What about the nursing home workers that want to speak, but they're afraid to. So uh, back during COVID, I was appointed to the uh, COVID uh, task force. The New York State Bar president appointed uh, me to it. We, I sat in hearings and meetings over the course of several months. And, and boy, did I learn a lot about, uh, you know, wh- wh- whose side folks are on when it came to nursing homes. And part of that process was listening to healthcare workers, the nurses, and and more so than the nurses, the aides, the, yes. the, the CNAs who are really providing the, the hands-on care. And, you know, when you think about those folks, you know, they're some of the most dedicated Absolutely. people in the world. I mean, just imagine doing that type of job yes. where you're, you're, you're caring for an elderly person, you're changing them, you're feeding them, you're dressing them, they're you're angels. bathing them. I mean, very few of us would, would choose to do that. And for the most part, most of them are very dedicated to their work Absolutely. and really, truly care about the residents in the homes. And boy, I, I was brought to tears on more than one occasion listening to them talk about how they weren't given uh, PPP. Uh, yes. Okay? Garbage bags. Given they were the, wearing yeah, garbage I mean, bags. How they weren't trained on how to use the masks. I mean, this isn't something in a, you know, again, a CNA takes a 14-hour class. Most of them, you know aren't, uh, you know, most of them don't have college degrees. So, you know, they need training. And this, the stories were horrific. Uh, Not being, no vaccines, okay? No tests, nothing. Nothing. And they're being sent into this, basically into this war zone, which with a virus that nobody knew anything about at the time, really, nobody knew what was happening. And it's the amount of money they're paid, okay? There was just a new law passed that uh, raises the minimum. I, I forget what it is. It might be $15 an hour. But again, that's still way too low. Yes. And the way they pay them, okay, is is also horrible. Uh, they're, they're, they're not paid full uh, for all the time they spend. They have lunch hours taken out by some of these nursing homes. 
so I think, again, they need to also be heard. But I think, like you say, they're they're afraid of losing their jobs. Yeah. You know. And they have important information that I feel like the only way we get that is through subpoenas. Yeah. And look, I'm 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 gonna be following this Fulton Commons case really closely. Now it's a civil lawsuit, right? So no one's being prosecuted here. Yes, uh, explain criminally. that. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is a lawsuit that the the AG brought basically for, you know, what we'd refer to as really civil penalties. She's right. trying to get the uh, the administration changed. Uh, she's trying to uh, change the way that the facility staffs. And the irony of all this, Janice, is these are the things that the Department of Health is charged in New York State with doing, with enforcing. We have laws about this stuff yeah. on the books already. And the DOH is supposed to be enforcing it. It shouldn't take the attorney general yes. to bring a lawsuit to enforce the laws that were met, were designed to protect our elderly people in, in nursing homes. Correct. I think that if they develop evidence that shows there was intent, okay, to shift money or to siphon money off and that they can bring a criminal prosecution, that's what they really need to do. This lawsuit is not doing that. Hmm. So they need to they need to push further. You know, and again, uh, why Fulton Commons, why now? I, I've had people from the attorney general's office in my office looking at cases I've recommended to them over the years. Okay. Never, you know, they come in for a couple of days, look at a few things, never heard anything back from them. Hmm. Now, all of a sudden, we're seeing this this major lawsuit. Well, great. I'm glad to see it. But we need to go farther than uh, just a civil lawsuit. We need we need criminal prosecutions. Yeah. When we, when we have evidence of it. if there's enough to indict a director of nursing for covering up sexual abuse. Yes. I find it hard to believe they can't uncover intent with respect to to fraud with moving money from one pocket to another mm-hmm. when there's no basis to do it. Right. You think there's more? Lawsuits I think there's plenty more to out come. There. Yeah. I, I. Well, from the attorney general, uh, we'll see. I don't know if they have the staff or the resources to police it to a degree where that you know where they're going to go in. To me, it looks like there was some type of whistleblower. Again, yes. this is all. My opinion. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. However, from the allegations in the lawsuit, that information is not something they can Google and get. Yes. Somebody had to get it to them. And either it's somebody on the inside or, you know, some other way they got it. Certainly, they could have reviewed the cost reports. But to me, reading the lawsuit, they had information that they had to be given by somebody on the inside. Yeah. So let's see what happens. But we will be following it. Um, and we will certainly be using any information that we can in cases, active cases that we have against that facility now, which we do. Uh, and, you know, let's let, let's hope that this is a trend. I hope so. You know, I always think the elderly, we, we need to care about our greatest generation. What if this was children? What if we had put sick people into schools? You know, it would be on every pa- front page of yep. a newspaper. But because it's the elderly, it's like... Yeah, there's just, you know, um, that's the way it's been in this country uh, for as long as I've been around. (laughs) And I I, I can tell you, when you look at other countries, okay, um, they treat their elderly very differently. Yes. They revere them. Uh, In Europe and Japan, I've spoken to, um, you know, I appeared on Fox way back um, on on Martha McCallum's show, and it was wonderful to be 
given that opportunity to speak to her about what was going on, getting that exposure, we, we got phone calls from literally around the world uh, and talking about you know, why is this happening? How, yeah. how can this happen? Mm. Uh, we just don't do a, a good job here. And we don't, we don't care for our elderly in a way that really shows them the respect that, that they deserve. Like, you know, your, your father-in-law, who's a veteran, um, you know, who, these people deserve to be cared for. And properly. we do, we think, you know, my sister-in-law puts it so well, we didn't put them into the facilities to die. We put them in there to live, to have care, to be cared for because we weren't able to do that 24 seven with them. And we thought we were giving them a better life. You know, if you speak to people and if I'm on trial on a case and I, I I went to verdict on a case about a year ago, Um, we had a very successful uh, trial, a, a nursing home in Brooklyn that really dropped the ball and, and seriously injured and really killed uh, a woman. And when you talk to just the average person, an average juror, for example, coming in for jury service, and, and you ask them a question, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the words nursing home? Mm. The most common response I hear, it's a place to go and die. Ugh. And that says a lot. It does. That says a lot. That's what's in people's mind. When, yeah. when they think about nursing homes. There's no, there's no positive spin on it at all. And like you said, the laws are designed and the funding is designed not for it to be a, a house of horrors where people go to die, but for a, a place for people to flourish right. and to live you know, the, the last years of, of their life happy, safe, yes. and cared for. Yeah. I mean, we our plan was to have both Mickey and Dee in an assisted living residence together. Yeah. And Mickey had health issues. We had to get him in better shape. He was in rehab in a nursing home. But Dee was ready and waiting for him in a really nice assisted living residence on Long Island where we could visit them. It was bright. It was sunny. And Dee, who spent many of her years in a four-story walk-up with Without a lot of interaction with people because she had a hard time getting up and down the stairs. She was ex- she was making friends. Sure. She was, you know, my sister-in-law was taking her out and getting her nails done and her hair done. And she had a little friend of hers that was, I mean, she, for the first time in many years, seemed like she was really thriving. Yeah. And, you know, the facilities, and again, I'm not sure which facilities your in-laws were in. Uh, however, Many of them are really great. Yes. And when, when people uh, come in, it, it's a new life for them. Yeah. You know, instead of being she isolated. She chose it. She came in and said, I really like this place. The people yeah. seem kind. And, and you know, I, I think for some facilities, when COVID hit, it was, you know, basically a tidal wave that no, no one saw coming. Right. And, you know, the way they handled it and managed it, you know, varied to different degrees and we had different results. But for the most part, when people, when residents go to facilities they're there to join a new community. Exactly. Uh, and that becomes their home. It becomes their family. Yes. You know, and, uh, you know, it, it's it's not okay that we that the, that the facilities don't take that seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay. And don't live up to that promise. Because don't forget, when you walk into a nursing home for the first time, maybe with your mom or your dad, you know, that's a real difficult thing. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're realizing for the, you know, now I have to, especially if they're cognitively intact. Okay. Now this is going to be where I'm living or, and it's such a big adjustment that, you know, the nursing homes have to be cognizant of the fact that they have a really 
high responsibility. Exactly. And they can't take it lightly, and the money cannot come before the people. Exactly. And that's it. At the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. We, 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 you know, it's a public trust to some degree, right? I mean, yes, you're in, you're in business to make money. Yes, you're permitted to make a profit. But if you choose to be in the nursing home industry, there has to be some recognition that you are entering a business where you're caring for vulnerable people and that their needs have to come before your right to make a profit. Absolutely, John. Uh, this was a really good discussion and to be continued. Absolutely, Because I'm not going anywhere. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> we need you. Yeah. We need you out there talking and doing what you're doing um, because this is, like I said earlier, it's going to be a tough fight. It's always been a tough fight. And we're going to keep on going. And we're going to be there someday. And we have to make sure that, you know, our kids don't have to deal with what we had to deal with during Absolutely. a pandemic. Um, I appreciate you coming in. How can people get a hold of you? If, I mean, obviously, you know, people have so many questions. Where can they go to get information? Yeah, so we've um, – there are a number of places people can go for for, for information. Uh, certainly my law firm, Dally Marino, we've been around for 25 years. We're based in Mineola, Long Island. Uh, we're easy to find. Our phone number is 516 292 Four seven hundred people can call. One thing we pride ourselves on is we'll speak to everybody, not just people who may have a case or who are going to be clients. And I take it again, sort of as a tribute to my dad, mm. um, and that's how I look at it. So if a person calls me and just wants to, vent, I did more. I think I think I was more of a social worker during COVID when the courts were really shut down and we, there was not very much we could do. Yeah. Uh, than really being a lawyer. Because these families just needed people to talk to who understood what they were going through. And because I went through that with my own – with my, my father, I was able to do that. So I continue to do that. Uh, so also there are some really great organizations uh, out there. There's the Long-Term uh, uh, care, Community Care Association uh, who does a fabulous job. Their, their website is, I believe, is nursinghome411.org. Okay. They have a lot of great information, forms uh, that you can use. Uh, we also have checklists for families. If they want, uh, they can call us. We'll email them checklists. These are the questions to ask if you're thinking about a nursing home. Uh, so there, there's a lot of help out there. People just have to, you know, find, find where they can get help and, and use it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to be in touch. Thank you, Janice. It's great <laughs> and to be here. We'll make sure that everyone who cares about this, you know, will continue to care about this. Absolutely. Happy holidays. You too. Stay well. Thank you. Thank you, John, for being a positive force for good in our fight for justice and accountability when it comes to our seniors. I look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.